Succeeding at anything in life takes work. I've been fortunate enough to lead a life filled with incredible opportunities and I've interacted with many of the most remarkable experts in their field. It is abundantly clear to me that anyone can be successful if they'll just take ownership of their personal greatness and if they'll work on improving every single day. You simply must do the work because if you don't grind, you don't shine. Okay, another episode of the If You Don't Grind podcast. And the guest, Mikey Eckstein, has been a fixture in the Detroit music scene for a long time and to some extent the national music scene, but really nothing goes on inside of Detroit without him knowing about it. I got a chance to meet him in 2016 while I was working with the University of Michigan football team, and he was just uh, a gracious, well-connected, awesome guy. He and uh, an artist of his, Polo Frost, came out with their kids and, and toured around the, the facility and, and Mikey is just a really conscientious guy who knows a lot of people in the music business and shares a lot of really awesome stories about his time with Eminem and D12 and uh, you know working as a runner for different shows and just uh, a really a really fun time with him. We went out the night before, stayed out late, and then ended up doing this this interview the next day. And you know he uh, he's got a, a vodka line coming out, Noir Vodka, which is cucumber infused vodka which is uh not his first venture into the spirits business and promoting you know different spirits so he's always very business oriented and and really um was a great interview really fun to do and uh we did it at the greek town casino there in detroit uh and so hope you enjoy it and look forward to uh to recapping it another episode of the if you don't grind podcast coming at you now i think this is the uh, podcast to be named later uh i don't yeah. know if that's actually going to be the title or something else but it doesn't really matter Working title yeah so mikey Eckstein and i perceive you to be the glue and the linchpin of the detroit music scene and that might be inaccurate or yeah it, i mean it's hard to describe myself explain myself people ask what i do yeah uh, and you're, you're kind of right there. That's why I've stayed in Detroit most of my life. I mean, I traveled, you know, tour manage, and I travel often for work. But just uh, the network that I have gained in this city, in this area, has made it easy to be able to do my business in entertainment, marketing, tying in sports players, music, other businesses that I've gotten involved with, such as the Noir Vodka, which is a recent thing. Kind of tying it all together, you know. I can't sing and I can't model. Me so, so, figured I'd just make uh, make stuff happen for those that can't play sports, sing and model. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Connect the dots and end up with a pretty picture. So, I mean, there's no structure to this necessarily, but you mentioned your network. How did you amass and network because certainly everybody would like to do what you're doing or in that way sure sure well I grew up in Ann Arbor Michigan I was the only child and uh, my parents very simple my mom did daycare and then answered the phones at the Bank of Ann Arbor my dad to this day still works at Domino's Pizza Headquarters as nice. the, the head of the mail department so Everybody was worried about me being social, uh, my, my social skills <laughs> for being an only child, and uh, I think I proved that to be uh, not an issue. So as I was growing up in Ann Arbor, which Ann Arbor is a very diverse town, I kind of got along with everybody. I was a skateboarder, I played ice hockey, and you know, hang out, skateboard downtown when I was a kid, and I started working when I was nine years old. I had a paper out, and um, did that till I got 
my first job at McDonald's when I was 14. And then there was this really cool party store at the Diag Party Shop, which as skateboarders, we'd all kind of hang out around there. And I finally got a job there. <laughs> and, uh, and then I've pretty much been working ever since, but I grew up with a bunch of older kids and stuff too in Ann Arbor, older guys just hanging out downtown and skateboarding and like I said, got along with everybody, so that's how I got the nickname Little Mikey. My, and then my last name starts with an E, so it kind of just stuck as Mikey. And there was a band in high school that I was friends with they were called Funktelligence. So seven members, it was like funk, hip-hop, and jazz. When we got out of high school, took a listen, you know, not just as like some fun, cool stuff today. I said, wow, these guys are actually really good. They came to me and they said, hey, do you think you could use some of your older connections and book us into some bars? Well, yeah. So I... Booked us into a couple bars. I started calling around, you know. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, pick up some, the entertainment newspapers and started calling, like, hey, can we book a band? And they finally, all right, we'll give you guys a Tuesday night and you'll get a percentage of the door. Our first show we did, the, well, Tuesday night, we sold out the Blind Pig in Ann Arbor. And it really impressed them <laughs> and impressed myself. But then I got I got picked up the magazines and started calling, like, can you write about my band? You know, they're really good. <laughs> Like, yeah, send us a press kit. I'm like, okay, no problem. What the hell's a press kit? You know? And, and then uh, just went from there. And, and, and then I, I had a strategy where we just printed basic 11 by 17 flyers. I get the most outrageous neon color, bright orange, bright lime green. Just put the band's logo or the font on top the date and where it was. And we put a three, four hundred posters all over Ann Arbor, major intersections at uh, midnight, drive around, jump out, put them up, get on my bicycle, you know, but but it worked. And then we quickly did great in Ann Arbor. So now I'm like, okay, well, I got to figure out other markets. And that's where I partnered management with this lady who ran a bar called the Cross Street Station in Ypsilanti. And because uh, we'd play there as well. So I got in with the Detroit scene, and then we kind of picked different markets to where to develop the band. So I had Chicago, Buffalo, Detroit. She took three cities that she focused on, and we'd get a hold of other bands and swap shows. You know, hey, we'll come out there open for you. You guys come open for us. That was like 1998, 99, and we had a website, which was cool. <laughs> that back then, when he had a website, that was awesome, because... It was the beginning of, you know, that era. And I came into the Detroit scene. I went to St. Andrews Hall. I'm like, can I hand out flyers or something? And, uh, you know, and, uh, and I got, by the way, I got this band that's really good. And then one day, the, the manager there, I was there at a show, and he's like, hey, can you go pick up Ghostface Killer from the hotel? I'm a big Wu-Tang Clan fan. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so usually we pay people to do that. It's called a runner. Like, you you want to pay me to pick up the like artists that I that grew up listening to? Like that's incredible. <laughs> you know, again, I'm 19 years old and did, just thought it was awesome. And my work's also like my hobbies. I enjoy doing it. Um, so I became a runner for shows. And then um, Live Nation. Well, it was called Ritual. Then Live Nation is a relatively newer company in the, over the last 10 years, but um, they bought out a lot of local promoters and created this big company. But they asked me and my friend Marcy, who I partnered with for the band, to produce shows as a show rep. So we produced shows. We did shows at St. Andrews, Clutch Cargos, the State Theater, which is now the Fillmore, the Shelter. And I mean, I was 20 years old running the show. <laughs> so, you know, I oversaw the, the stage hands, the lighting 
guys, worked with the tour managers, the bus drivers, and all that. And if there was alcohol on the rider they didn't have in-house, I couldn't even go buy it. So I'd have to have runners go buy it, but I'm the one running the show, you know. Shortly after that... Eminem's group D12 had an album come out in their first album in 2001, and I uh, produced the D12 show where Eminem came and performed, and I kind of uh, my way into the tour manager position. Matter of fact, it was, what I did. Uh, it was funny. I was with the Funktelligence band in Buffalo. I had a D12 shirt on, and we were hacky sacking with some fans outside of this little venue. We were playing them. I had, I had a D12 shirt on, and the kids were like, whoa, where'd you get that? And I'm like, one of the D12 managers at the time was really big into marketing, really, like, he was known for a street team and just, just well-respected guy in the marketing aspect, so kept that in the back of my head. So when I went to them to approach them about the managing position, because legitimately I did know both sides of it, you know, I did produce shows as a promoter, and then I did tour manage my band. I used the marketing to get my foot in the door. I called the manager and said, hey, man, I got these kids in Buffalo. They, they want to be on the street team, man. They're, they're real big fans, and can we send them some stuff out? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's great, man. Come over. And then I came over and put together a package for the guy. By the way, you need help on the road, you know? I, I, I know both sides, you know? I, I would love to go out. And I think I was 21 at the time. And he said, all right, cool. Let me talk to my partner. And came back like a week later and met with them again and then I remember I was uh, also a runner at the time for bigger shows you know I wasn't producing shows at DTE or the Palace or anything but I would be a runner for extra money and I remember I was running for Aerosmith one day it was just kind of a crazy day Kid Rock and Pamela Anderson came together Eminem came and actually played Steven Tyler Sing for the Moment where he sampled Dream On played it for him and got his blessing at that night and it was just like 20 one-year-old kid like seeing like Kid Rock and Pamela Anderson and Eminem like playing like song that became a hit was just like incredible and I remember I had to go get Steven Tyler makeup at Somerset Mall and of course I told the ladies at Nordstrom or whatever who it was for and I came back with bags and bags of samples and stuff and I remember right as I was pulling up just thinking like this is an incredible day. I get a call and said, hey, pack your bags. We're taking you out as our tour manager next week. And I was just like, finally, I'm going on tour bus. Like, because for years we've been in a van and I'm like, D12, M&M, this is, this is incredible. The next question I got asked was, what size vest do I wear? Not a Tommy Hilfiger vest. <laughs> it was bulletproof vest. Yeah, yeah. You know that I'm not sure of, but we legitimately wore bulletproof vests everywhere. Years after that, I, you know, I sat back and thought about it. I was like, holy ish. You know, like, that shit was real. I mean, Shady Records signed 50 Cent, who had been shot nine times, okay? There was a member of D12, Bugs, right before they got signed, got shot and killed on Belle Isle over a squirt gun. Denying from D12 been shot in the leg. Bizarre's wife got shot at a gas station, okay? OB Trice on Shady Records still has a bullet lodged in his head, okay? Eminem had his gun charges. <laughs> like, you think about it, I was like, wow, crazy times. But, you know, 21, 22 years old, you know, for those albums, you know, I was kind of thrown in the fire. It was like, all right, if I, I can handle this, I can handle anything. And then, you know, Proof got killed from D12, so... So you have, I mean, you go from 19 to 21 and just like a skyrocket, right? Yeah. Ever any self-doubt, ever any like limiting beliefs or 
insecurity about it or not sure if you're you're right for the the opportunity because it sounded like all you were doing was just pushing as hard as you could as fast as you could and just making this happen yeah yeah there's definitely times where it was it was a lot it was a lot of work and you know i'd go so hard and i just like it'd be like a pimple and it would just pop or i'd just like go to my bunk and just like what the fuck? Oh, I just, just want to hide from everything and want to get away. But at the end of the day, it was it's in my blood, you know, and I knew it. But I've learned to pace myself more. But it was tough times. So what I would do when I get home from tour, my parents had a place in Montana, and they were living in this little town called Sealy Lake, Montana. So I'd always go visit them because I'm like, we're a bunch of Detroit rappers and security and all this major cities all over America, Europe, everywhere. I just want to get away for a little bit. So I go visit them in Montana and be great for three hours. And then I'm like, okay, more deer than human. Yeah, like, right. So that was a good way to kind of balance myself, go out there for, for a week or so and then come back and get back into it. But I've always wanted to be able to control my own destiny, do my own thing. You know, I mean, I was offered positions with different people and companies, but I've always wanted to just kind of control my own thing and not really have a, a boss or and, and wanted to take the chances and, and to be able to do what I want to do and how I want to do it, I guess. And there's times I'm like, shit, man, I should have took that studio management position or whatever, but then an hour later, I'm like, <laughs> You're so plugged in with everyone and everything that comes through Detroit. I mean, I mentioned your name to other people and that just spawns these other conversations and everything. I mean, how do you keep your interactions, your network so tight? I mean, it's like nobody would have anything bad to say about you, mostly. I mean, maybe you find someone. But oh, there's, I'm sure there's people that can find bad things to say about me. Majority of people, I think, have good things to say about me. Yeah, so, I mean, how do you get that, right? I mean, you've been in a business that's volatile with chaos, bulletproof fest. I mean, surely there's some issue that happens where it's like you've got to take a stand or you've got to be hostile and what yeah. is the relationship management I guess so like? you know my, my thing is I, I never really hold grudges I never hold grudges I might find myself where I'll overreact or get heated or something at times you know when situations get tense or whatever the situation is I'll always make it up the next day like I'd never want to hold grudges my philosophy is life is too short Unless you killed my wife or killed my kids or did something horrible to my family or somebody, it's nothing's worth losing a relationship. So I always just try and keep in touch with people and keep a good relationship, healthy relationship, even if we hit you know bumps in the road. And then I, I mean I always do stuff like just little stuff that and I and I try and teach my clients you know like the little meaningful things in life. Like it's not always uh, you know get somebody got me backstage or I got somebody backstage or did whatever. It's just thinking about the little things. Like, so I would always take like little notes for people that hooked us up with stuff. Like, uh, for instance, you know, Reggie from Jordan. I don't know if uh, he's kind of like the brand ambassador guy. He would always send boxes and boxes of Jordan stuff for like, you know, the D12 guys, the Kid Rock got band members and rock and all that stuff and so at the end of the year I'd always have you know like my assistant get a hold of his and say 
where was his favorite place to eat this year in Beaverton, Oregon? You know, and, and you know, usually, oh, he really went to like Mikey and JT's Chicken Shack this this year. You know, some random places. So I, we'd call, get a hundred dollar, a couple hundred dollar gift certificate, and send it to him at Christmas. How the hell did you know? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, just little things like that that just that mean more than some outlandish. You know, just thinking about people and stuff that people don't always do you know just trying to just keep keeping good relationships and you know keeping up with with everybody and now social media these days it's just like, it's great you know what everybody's doing yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so your your story that way reminds me of coach harbaugh right i mean he's got enough money to buy whatever he wants like what do you get for somebody for who sure. has everything right and i have never seen him turn down chewing tobacco right like absolutely yeah loves the gift of, you know, come yeah. bearing gifts. Yeah. And, uh, and so just the thoughtfulness, I mean, goes miles beyond, I mean, cause people send all sorts of stuff, right? Even, even people you don't know have never met are sending you things that you don't need or don't want or whatever. Right. But it's, yeah. It's the, the little things. It was like on one year from Eminem's birthday. It's like, you get this guy, you know, and, uh, me approved at his 30th surprise birthday party. So Jesus, he's going to be, I think 47. <laughs> so 17 years ago. And um, at the time, everybody was trying to, like, do surprises, and, it's, you know, it was like, oh, like, I remember Eminem did a birthday party for Proof, and it was like, how obvious is this? Like, Eminem does not go out to clubs in Detroit, right? And especially, like, hey, Proof, let's go out two days before your birthday, let's just go to this random club. Like, Proof played it off really well, like, yeah, surprised, you know? Uh, Proof and I did this fake rap battle at St. Andrews, where there was this... Uh, battle rapper Cannabis that Eminem was beefing with at one point and uh, we said that we were doing this battle rap show at St. Andrews and Proof was battling Cannabis. We made flyers. I called Ticketmaster because I'd always have to call Ticketmaster to get audits for shows and stuff so I knew the guy there pretty well so I had him actually put it in the system and just put it as sold out. Okay so we made a handful of flyers so Proof left them around the studio you know and and Eminem, I guess, was questioning the event. And Proof was like, dude, I really want you to go. Like, I need my boy. Like, I'm battling this guy. Like, you know, we, we've had tension. Like, I really, he's like, all right, man, I'll go, I'll go. Because Proof didn't ask Marshall to do a lot of stuff. So we had, you know, his agents, and managers, and a lot of local friends and stuff there. And, uh, and actually, Marshall called it's called Ticketmaster. And he was like, damn, this is sold out. Like, okay. Like, wow, this is going to be big. Like, okay. And I remember, and then we even had a guy that looked like cannabis there. So when he walked in, you know, he walked in the back door and so, so he came in with this hood, you know, and everything. And like, and, and Proof's like, there's that guy right there. Can't, the guy who looked like cannabis was standing right by me. And they look over, you know, and I'm kind of like looking at this cannabis guy. Like, and then uh, Proof's like, yo. You know, before I battle this motherfucker, you know, I gotta give it up for my homie. I wouldn't be here. I don't, he wouldn't be here without me, you know, but I gotta give it up to my best friend, y'all. Give it up for Eminem. And then it was like, boom, banner comes down. Happy 30th. And then it's like, happy birthday, mother. He's like, mother. He came over, punched me, punched proof, punched my boy. It was a great time, but but I had these, I still had a few of the flyers left. And, and at, right at the year after proof passed, I got it framed and, you know, gave him one of the flyers and I, there were two sides to it. I had a double framed or whatever and gave it to him for birthday present after proof had passed. And I think he had it uh, next to his um, 
Oscar and Grammys in the showcase. Yeah. So that was cool. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, you know, the little things. But, um, you know, it's, it's hard to keep up with everybody. I mean, I had like 7,000 contacts in my phone, literally. And, I mean, this is all... Just people hammering you. Yeah, I mean, five minutes ago, eight minutes ago, 15 minutes ago. I appreciate your time. Oh, yeah? yeah. No, I love it. I mean, you've been great. You're, and I love and respect your work ethic and your sincerity and your, you know, you're just a, a straight-up guy. And anybody would take the time out to take my kids, my artist's kids on the field and g- give a full tour is just, that means the world to a dad. You know, like, I've done stuff for so many people over the years and you know when you have your own kids it's kind of it's hard to ask for yourself sometimes but to, to, to give my kids like that, that those experiences and it's just great and you know and working with you and some of the players that have became NFL players and really good friends of mine and one of the guys who just got a wedding invitation in the mail the other day you know it's uh it's just a great relationship <laughs> yeah, no, doubt, no doubt I I appreciate you saying nice things uh about me and, and I'm sure the other people you say great things about too I mean it's nobody ever doesn't like hearing nice things said about sure. you sure so. yeah yeah no you're great when you call me I'm like of course you can say no 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 is not an option I appreciate it I, I want to go back to you know when you first started getting the bands going you're out just faking it till you make it and there are points I'm but sure. also working hard oh for sure right I mean I don't mean to cheat <laughs> yeah no, like, no no but for sure so coach Harbaugh would say do something and then find the courage for it later mm-hmm. right and and I love that and putting yourself out there and going above and beyond and finding a way to make it happen I mean it's uh is that something you find yourself always doing just solutions oriented just creative thinking and just yeah. there's always an answer right yeah I mean, there's all there's always an answer and the, there's times where I'm like okay you're always learning yourself bettering yourself you know as we get older and one of my downfalls sometimes was overreacting like when ish, it's the fan or it gets tense and and then I would say stuff that I didn't mean or it just kind of come out. And, and now my, my approach is like, okay, if we have a problem, if we have a big deal, just sit back and think about it for, for a day or so. We'll figure it out. My motto is, I tell my clients, I tell my employees, everything will work out. Everything's always going to, it will work itself out, you know, which it does. Like, you know, I had one of my guys that works for me, uh, I don't know if I was out of town or we had several events going on and I couldn't be there. And it was a pretty high-end event, you know, big money situation. And it was his first kind of getting thrown in the fire and there was a lot of difficulties with it. And I kind of just sat back and smiled and like I've been I've been there a million times and I said listen as long as nobody gets killed <laughs> as long as no natural disasters happen or the building doesn't catch on fire or there's no riots everything's going to be fine I know you're going through hell right now and it seems like oh my god nothing's going right and like in the day it is rock and roll <laughs> we're not doing brain surgery I'm gonna tell you what three days after this event you're gonna forget that it even happened and it few days after it I go so you still worrying about uh, what the the, the event uh, a few days ago he's like oh, you were totally right everything works out and I'm not even thinking about it so that's kind of the approach and you know if there's different deals I just my thing is I just got to rack my brain like okay this person would be perfect for this and think outside of the box and make it happen you know it was funny one of my buddies was telling me we were at Kid Rock's house or whatever and it's one of Rock's buddies was like 
what does Mikey Eckstein do? What the hell does Mikey Eckstein do? And he said, Mikey Eckstein makes fish happen. <laughs> He's like, that's all I can say, you know? So, and I enjoy being able to have the resources, get different deals or opportunities presented to me and and be able to take it to different people and, you know, think, oh, this, this would be good. Tell me as it relates to this, right? So you talk about different deals. Like you were telling me how you really helped kickstart Tito's. Sure. Right? And then got into this. So tell that story. Yeah, sure. So Noir Vodka is my newest endeavor. And I recently restructured the deal, which now I'm a equity ownership in, into Noir. And I did do a lot with Tito's when it first really started popping. The Michigan rep pretty much hired me to consult and do some marketing. And because of my relationships with the, all the venues and with the tastemakers, with the athletes, the artists and stuff. And I went gung-ho with, with Tito's, even at Creektown Casino where we are. Like I even got, you know, whatever vodka was in the mini bars pulled and got Tito's in there. I got... Made this shit happen. Made this shit happen. I got uh, one, of, one of the Red Wings... Just built a house at a really awesome bar, and I had all this Tito's bar stuff, and I had cases of Tito's, and he's like, what the hell is this? I don't even drink vodka. Well, it'll look good you know, for your bar. You got everything you need bar-wise, and he's like, all right, all right. And we had a team Super Bowl party at his house, you know, that year at Tito's everything, and about maybe eight months after brought all the Tito's stuff and gave all the guys Tito's and I just remember one night we were out at a restaurant and with about 11 players and legitimately when the waitress came and took orders every single player uh, I went Tito's and soda or Tito's and lemonade Tito's and cranberry it was not vodka it was just straight up Tito's and we do our Tito's Tuesday giveaways where you know some social media packages where we give concert tickets swag you know we always have Tito stuff but always throw in some other stuff just to brand the name and give people opportunity to win fun stuff and you know throwing some signed sports players memorabilia or something to just to help build our brand the Tito's brand and, and whoever else's stuff we're giving away and so many people think like I was a part owner of Tito's you know and I would say like the perception's great but the the pockets don't equal yeah. that that, that um, although I mean I had great relationships though with Tito's you get a second crack at it having a second crack at it with Noir um, I've been able to just translate their you know transfer the same work ethic that I had and what I did for Tito's to Noir. And I didn't just jump into the Noir deal. Like I, I wanted to try it out and see what people thought of it. Cause you know, I don't want to jeopardize other relationships or just jumping to something because it's there. You know, you can't, you can't go into every deal. Cause one, you got to back up products, got to back up itself. And I've got been getting great you know, feedback on it. And so that's what really made me, people genuinely really like it. And it's a really good vodka. So it took me a few to say, okay, let's do this. But again, now I'm right at the very beginning, but it's it's happening really fast with Noir. Same thing, getting it into all the places that I have relationships with, backing it up with promotions, posting photos with sports players, with artists, getting it in music videos, getting it kind of everywhere in sight, in mind. And now people are trying it and they really like it and everybody's asking where they can get it. And, you know, the, the beautiful thing, even more so than, you know, six years ago or so when I, when I jumped in with Tito's, the, the 
social media game is on a way another level with the Instagram stories, with Snapchat, with reposting and all that, and tagging and you know getting all these people from sports players to porn stars to rappers, musicians, club cats. You know, half of my calls now or texts are, hey, how can how can we do an event together? Or can I bring it in? Or where to where can I get it? And funny story is is going back to you know the product speaking for itself. My buddy at Myers is a he's high up at uh, Myers. Uh, as you know, our huge grocery store chain here in Michigan, not so much nationally, but massive here. Um, I think it's the richest family in, in Michigan, actually. So I gave it to him. He goes, oh, yeah, it's you. You know, it's Michigan made. Yeah, we'll take it into a store and see how it goes, you know, for sure. You know, he goes, just stay on me. I'll get it to our purchasing department. We get a lot of products, so it might take him a few, but I'll, I'll stay on him and, and remind me every week or two. And, couple months I kept following up and one morning at seven o'clock in the morning I get a call from him and he's like we're in I'm like great he goes no no we're in he goes whatever you had in that bottle our purchasing department loved it like we're in he's like we're gonna start with six stores that's ten you know what let's do a dozen stores I'm gonna get you know find our you know our, our highest vodka selling stores and we'll get it in those and that's great to hear you, you know like the other day I was hosting a, a few people at Little Caesars Arena for a Pistons game and Kid Rock's got his bar there and he's got a little private room. If I have a big group of people, I'll call him, see if we can use his room and look cool, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it's also a good way to, you know, because I do know so many people, and to say, hey, meet us at Kid Rock's bar at halftime, yeah. you know? So it's a good meeting place and it makes me look cool that I can get that. <laughs> but uh, so uh, naturally, uh, we got um, Noir Vodka into Little Caesars Arena at Kid Rock's bar. And, of course, I was telling everybody about it, and it had only been in there for about a week. And um, of course, I bought everybody a drink, and when the waitress came in, she said, can we get Nuhar Vodka and Red Bull? And she's like, oh yeah, Nuhar Vodka. She's like, that's my new favorite vodka. She's like, I love it. It's better than whatever. And she's like, I, I love it. I'm like, it's only been in here for like a week. Are you sure we're talking about the same thing? And, she, and she's like, yeah, it's the black bottle with the with gold. And yeah, she goes, yeah, there was, there was a whole group of people in here a couple days ago, and they, they, were, they drank a lot of it. Their bill was pretty high, and, and they, they loved it, and they convinced me to have a drink, and they bought me a drink, and I love it. It's my new favorite vodka. And I'm like, can you say that again? And I'm like, well, at least go tell the manager that. So they loved it. Um, and and the, again, that, that, that those are refreshing feelings. Like, okay, cool. It's working. So yeah, so it's fun. You know, the journey to to get to the successful or the whatever the end game is, is, is always fun. You know, seeing something and seeing results and seeing people happy about something that you're involved with is yeah, and I, I get the sense that you're not firmly trying to grip the wheel and figure out where you're going. I mean, you, you let life happen, but you apply a lot of energy and effort to it, right? Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, when I get passionate about something, it's I, I also treat it like my hobby because I enjoy doing it. So it's kind of um, it's a win-win for me, you know. If I don't have my kids, <laughs> I'm working, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm really blessed to be able to do so many cool things or great things and make things happen and be around great people, you know. There's not not a, a lot of people that could say they look forward to working. Well, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out uh, Polo Frost, your, your oh, yeah. guy who I know. So I'm, I'm hoping for big things from him. And Yeah, yeah, Polo's great. I, matter of fact, I mean, this kid's such a hard worker. I get a text from him at 6.30 this morning. <laughs> like, he's always working. He's such a good 
hard-working guy, talented guy, putting out great music and getting just getting a lot of great response. You know, Ice Cube licensed uh, one of his records for uh, the title track for the Big Three basketball nice. tournament. Yeah. Um, he's just so appreciative, so humble, so easy to work with. Probably can't say that about all Detroit rappers, huh? No. No? No, definitely cannot. But he's an Ypsilanti rapper. Okay, he yeah. He will make sure... Ipsy, I get it. He will, you know, keeps it real. But even going back to uh, just a little thing, so we stayed at, uh, we went to L.A. several times, but this one in particular... We went to L.A. and um, we stayed at a friend's house. Um, our, my friend's an actress, her and her husband are actors and actresses. And Originally, they were supposed to be out of town or whatever. And we just had the place. They were there, and she's like, we were going to stay for a couple nights. She's like, dude, just stay. We're, we're good friends, you know? Like, She's like, just stay the whole time. So Polo wrote a thank you letter, a real you know, heartfelt, sent it in the mail. And I didn't even know that he did that. And I get a call from the actress lady, and she's like, Oh my God, Polo Frost can stay at my house for the rest of my life, whether you're there or not. I got the sweetest note from him. He was so awesome. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I love that guy for life. And just a little thing, you know. I do have a quick funny story about that that trip in particular. We um, So Chris Chelios was in, he's in Malibu all the time, you know. He was in Malibu. Actually, somebody was renting out his house. He was staying at another buddy's house, right, like three doors down on the beach, you know. And he's like, yeah, come come out to Malibu and hang out. I'm like, we're working. Like, we're, we, you know, it's not like, we're not on, quite on vacation, you know. You can't just go to Malibu for the entire day and chill, you know. But it, it worked out. This one day, we had 8.30 in the meeting, and then we had a noon and a 3 o'clock, and then 8.30 again back in Hollywood. Well, the two in the middle got moved to the following day, so I go to Polo, you want to go to Malibu? He's like, yeah, what's Malibu? <laughs> you want to go to Malibu, you know? <laughs> so we, we, we drove out to Malibu, like Cornhole. The, the, the funny story is, is Polo, I go, all right, black rapper, probably didn't pack swim trunks, did you? I'm not trying to stereotype or anything, right? He's like, no. I'm like, all right, we're going to stop and get swim trunks. You know, we're going to be on the beach in the ocean of Malibu. All right, so he goes by like these $6.99 at Ross Dress for Less. You know, he's, we're pulling into Malibu down PCH. He's like, oh, man, I got these cheap swim trunks, you know, out here. So Chelly's next-door neighbor... Him and his wife are outside, and uh, it's John McEnroe and Patty Smith. And Patty, it was, oh, those are such cute swim trunks. She's like, Johnny's wearing the same ones, but in blue. Whoa. And I go, see? He goes, oh, oh okay. Now he totally felt like, all right, sweet. Yeah, hey, hey. But it was just, it was, it was funny. And, and then the conversation with John McEnroe and Polo Frost, incredible. <laughs> Incredible. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you sitting down with me and uh, taking the time. And I it's awesome, man. Appreciate you having me and uh, able to talk about the stuff that I enjoy doing. And the hobby, enjoy. right? Keeping your work your hobby. So. Absolutely. Right on. Thanks. All right. Man. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. This is if you don't grind. Another episode in the books. Appreciate Mikey Eckstein for coming on with me and showcasing and and displaying his tact and a plum with managing relationships and and not letting bad blood or or negativity get in the way of him doing his job at a really high level so obviously every reason to hold grudges and to begrudge people for 
being difficult or hard to work with, but he rises above that routinely, and that's part of the reason he's been able to maintain his success in the music business for decades. So really appreciate him. Uh, shout out his artist, Polo Frost, who puts out some good music. Really look forward to following his career. And uh, thank Chris Donovan for production, Dave Solfero for helping put together some elements of the show. Thank my beautiful and lovely wife. Look forward to the next episode with Kirk Gibson. And until then, remember that we're all working towards recognizing and owning our own personal greatness and then working towards achieving it each and every day. If you don't grind, you don't shine. Thank you for listening to If You Don't Grind. For more info, content, or to connect with JT, go to ifyoudontgrind.com.